0: It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min, and we are live. Another show coming your way, talking transfers, and I'm delighted to say that joining me back on the show for our regular Wednesday slot is the brilliant journalist Mike Stavrou. Mike, welcome
1: back. How are you doing, mate? How have you been? Yeah, you know what? It was a bit of a rough start um, to the season, to say the least, but um, a bit of positive news last night with Odegaard. So um, I'm feeling slightly, ever so slightly better, Harry. That's one way of putting it, a bit of a rough start to the season. I mean, yeah,
0: I was, I was furious on Friday night mm. and the more I kind of dug into it on Saturday and analysed it a little bit further because I watched the game back for all my sins, I found it. Even worse. And and I just seemed to be getting angrier and angrier and more and more disappointed by what I'd seen as the time passed. And now I'm at the point where I've I've drawn a line under it and I'm looking forward to Chelsea. Yeah. But what what was your kind of initial reaction to that game? Was you in panic mode? Was you worried about where the season might go? Or or were you able to kind of say it is just the opening game of the season? Not ideal, but you know, we can't read in too much. What, What was your kind of assessment?
1: No so I went into the season and I think like like most people I was a little bit hesitant because of the transfer business um and I think every single Arsenal fan can say as much as they want you know this season's a write off we're not going to do anything it's not going to go well but it doesn't matter when it hits that that fight that first whistle of the season there's optimism that fills you no matter what you say no matter you know what the what the circumstances are and i had that optimism and that was very quickly taken away from me i thought um we were outplayed um they were the, they were much better the better team uh, we had no cohesion um it was dreadful i don't really know what i was watching i feel like uh there was effort there but definitely not 100% i couldn't see everything being given and tactically we were inept so yeah nothing went well on the night <laughs> um yeah but it's, it, essentially and it wasn't in one of them situations where we could blame a dodgy decision we couldn't blame um an individual error we couldn't blame the referee we couldn't blame a red card we couldn't blame discipline it was just one of them ones where we just got battered by a by a championship team essentially um and we gave them their their history of um of 74 years winning a game in the top flight so yeah all round it was terrible but um and no one could sort of reason with it afterwards i think we were all in meltdown a little bit and i I was actually getting in arguments with fellow arsenal fans who were like trying to put a positive spin on it because it was like i don't want to hear this right now i don't want to hear that it was just one game because i feel like if you can't get yourself up for the opening game of the season like what what can you do really uh but now i've had a bit of time to reflect on it like you I'm still not happy about the performance, but I think there were some positives like uh Lukonga I thought was good. Um Tierney was was um doing the best he can without anyone in the box. Uh that was obviously a tactic from the manager to get him to spam crosses like it was FIFA. Um, but you know, I can't blame him for that, essentially. And um yeah, ESR was obviously brilliant baligan i thought struggled quite a lot but you know he's a youngster uh so yeah there's there's definitely some positives but overall it was miserable but the the reason i say i'm i'm happy is because it looks like we're getting a bargain deal for odegaard who a lot of people aren't thrilled about and i understand that to an extent because is it as exciting as a james madison you know goal scoring midfielder with premier League credential um probably not but is it savvy yes um did we were we right in the end to wait all that time to force Real Madrid's hand it looks like it because I think at the beginning it it was looking like maybe around 50 million euros and now the price has shot down to about 35 because he was left out of the squad he wasn't registered and he's been told that he's not gonna he's not gonna play essentially a, a first team role so I think we've played that very well and I think credit where credit's due
0: Yeah, I I said this on the show that that we recorded earlier on today. I said that if he was indeed Arsenal's priority target in that position, which is what we're led to believe, you know, there were reports about James Madison, those rumours sort of gathered pace at one point and then kind of hit a bit of a brick wall. The Arsenal Bell, who a lot of people follow, AFC Bell, sorry, a lot of people follow and and say is kind of always spot on with these, has, has put out a tweet to say, we got this wrong. Um, it looks like Arsenal are wrapping up uh, Martin Odegaard, which essentially ends their interest in James Madison. Now, I don't want to kick the AFC bell or any account or any journalist down because you're only as good as the information you get a lot of the time in this kind of business. So I understand uh, that you can pick up a piece of information, run with it, and sometimes it doesn't come to fruition. And that can give your reputation a little bit of a beating. But as I say, you're only as good as that information that you get. But Everybody else has insisted that Odegaard was the priority target. So if Arsenal have had to wait a week into the season to get their number one target and get their number one target at a relatively good price, I would say 30 to 35 million pounds is what we're hearing. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I think as fans, Mike, shouldn't we have been? expecting that some of this business to, to spill over into the season? And shouldn't we have been expecting that Arsenal wouldn't conc- conclude all of their transfer dealings until the end of the window?
1: I mean, look, in another world, you want to get your transfer business done early. But if Madrid were having that stance where they want 50 million um, and they weren't budging, I mean, why should we cave just because of like fan pressure essentially like there was such demand for signings because there was this whole thing about there being a rebuild and people like clearly weren't seeing it and were unhappy about that me included in that but i don't see why you should bump up and pay a lot more money when you probably know that odegaard isn't gonna you know feature he's probably not gonna become a, a regular in the team or or plan to be so it was always i think this one from the beginning was always going to go down to the line and I think you know fans might not have known that but I think the clubs probably knew that and it was just about the timing of it and look it's, it's disappointing because we probably would have wanted Odegaard in that team we had quite a lot of absentees uh, maybe he would have played at number 10 Smith Rowe would have played on the left instead of Martinelli who just came back from the Olympics probably wasn't um, probably wasn't know, fit or in the sense of he hadn't had much practice with the team, not much training, um, didn't have a pre-season really. So, yeah, in, in that sense, of course, we would love for it to happen early. But the fact that it's happened now, the fact that I think it's a really good signing, it's smart. Um, you know, we've seen what Odegaard can do. Uh, for me, the highlight games um, in when we beat West Ham and he just absolutely yeah. pulled the strings. Uh, I won't forget that game because he just was everything that we'd want from that sort of player i was watching a a clip it's been doing the rounds i think you um retweeted or quote tweeted or something it was um a game a few years ago in the champions league under wenger uh sanchez was playing ozil was playing um and just the sort of speed of of play that we had the interchange of positions um you know how technically solid our, our midfield was at that time as well i look at that and that's such a far cry from what we have at the moment. I absolutely love him Smith Rowe, but is he the sort of guy um, that's going to, you know, thread passes through that's going to, that's going to, you know, really make the team seamless in their passing. He's probably not that guy. So someone like Odegaard is that sort of player and he's only 22 and quite an important point to make is that if it is really 25 million that we, sold um joe willock for if we're getting odegaard for another five six seven whatever it might end up being i would say that's pretty good business
0: yeah i agree entirely i think the thing with this odegaard thing is as well so we know that madison is off you know i think a lot of us understood weeks ago that this was not going anywhere we knew that odegaard was someone arsenal we looking at to be able to get him for this price, I think, represents good value. And again, as you said earlier, I appreciate there are a lot of Arsenal fans that don't feel that this is necessarily the best bit of business that Arsenal could have done. I think what you've got to look at is you've got to look at it a little bit more simply. And you got to look at the fact that Arsenal were a much improved side in the second half of last season. Were Arsenal at the level that we wanted them to be? No. You know, they were still quite some way short of that. But Arsenal's improvement last season in the second part was partly due to Martin Odegaard coming to the club. Not solely. Emil Smith-Rowe played a big part. Bakayo Saka played a big part. Nicolas Pepe's form picked up defensively. We were a lot sounder. So there are other factors as well. But for me, he was part of that team that was better in the second half of the season. So I can understand why Mikel Arteta and Arsenal are keen to bring him back and continue that development because the only reason we're sitting here talking about last season being unacceptable is because of the first half of it. The second half of it was a lot better and you have to remember that when going into this season. If Arsenal continued in the form or if Arsenal continue to pick up results at the rate they did in the second half of last season then we stand in very good stead. We stand in a very with a very good chance of finishing in the top six, possibly even challenging for the top four. So it's important to remember that, I think. And, you know, not only have we got a good player in Martin Odegaard who's coming to the club in a, a good deal, I would say, does that not open the door, Mike, to the possibility of Arsenal doing maybe more business? Could we not now use the difference in what people were talking about paying for, for James Madison? and potentially bring in a Hussein Awar as well, or
1: potentially bring in another fullback or or something. Well, if we spunk it on Aaron Ramsdale, mate, I don't think that's <laughs> going to go down very well either. I'm, I'm sure we'll come on to that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I hope so. I really do hope so, because there are other areas that I think we really need to improve right back. You know, I think we both said in our season preview that we would start Callum Chambers for the start of the season. And I think he's weaknesses were exposed heavily uh, in, in in that game. I felt a little bit sorry for him because he was a little bit isolated. Um, you know, Brentford really did a number on him, essentially, and he was often 2v1 a lot of the time. Uh, but plainly, I don't think he is the man to take us forward at right-back. And I don't think Arteta thinks that either because the fact that he brought on Nuno Tavares when he had loads of other options on the bench to bring on at right-back, Cedric was on there... Maitland Niles was on there, you know. What does that say? What does that say about it, really? So that's another position striker. I'm I'm really worried about because as as I mentioned again, it's like we have two half strikers. I think Lacazette can do half of the job in terms of hold up play, and I think Abamian can do half of the job. He's finishing as good, but he can't do the other things that a striker should be able to do. I don't really know what's going on with that situation, Harry. I was a bit perplexed really when when they were both ill at the same time. I'm sure. The details will emerge on that um, in due course but I'm not really sure what happened um, I'm really disappointed about about Tammy Abraham going to Roma for what looks to be about 35 million I think that's an absolute steal and I think that's the sort of business we should be doing maybe Chelsea were reluctant to, to sell to us because of their arrival but I think that deal was there to be done if we could have shipped out Lacazette earlier um, you know which is obviously easier said than done but I think that should have been a priority because striker is another area. In terms of Alwar, I'm not sure that there was a report that that came out from I saw get French football news tweeted it last night um, that apparently the the Lyon manager wasn't happy. He was one of the players that the manager wasn't happy with in terms of his attitude. So maybe is that is that bullet dodged in that sense? I don't know because I have heard things about his attitude before. So yeah, there's there's a number of areas, man. A number of areas. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's interesting you mentioned that, report because I did see
0: that as well. Mm. Um, and we know that Mikel Arteta has zero tolerance for that kind of character, uh, as we've seen. You know, otherwise, Matteo Genduzzi would still be at the club. William Salibo probably still be at the club as well. So he's obviously got uh, an issue with players like that, players who do kind of walk that tightrope between uh, being sort of respectable and, and fully engaged and, and paying attention to the manager and those players that are kind of mavericks and uh, can get a little bit sort of, uh, what's the word? I guess it can get a little bit prickly at times. Mikkel doesn't deal Mm. with that well, so I don't think he'd actively go out and look for a player like that as well. And I'm sure partly or or part of the reason that, that Martin Odegaard was so high up the list was because of his attitude because of his character yeah, because exactly. of the way he works hard behind the scenes uh, Mikel Arteta will know that firsthand about him and I think that's played a part in this decision as well um you mentioned the Aaron Ramsdale bit there uh, mm. we talked about it at length yesterday well I talked about it at length yesterday I'm not on board with this signing at all I, I don't understand the logic behind it I don't see why when there are so many areas Arsenal need to address, you would go and take a 28 pounds gamble on a goalkeeper who, in my opinion, isn't even better than the one we have, isn't even on the same level to say that they can compete for the spot. I I just don't get it. What's your take on the whole Ramsdale situation? How do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you, mate. And look, he's not better than Leno, in my opinion. I think a lot of fans would agree with that. Um, so at the end of the day, you're buying someone to succeed Leno next season, um, and it doesn't make any sense. Why not address that area at the time it needs addressing? Unless Leno is going to go now, which I don't think he is. It doesn't make sense. It it really doesn't. When there's other pressing areas that we need right now, for me, I'd be happy if we went out and just signed sign Matt Ryan again to be backup for a season. Get him on a get get him on a season long loan, whatever you need to do. Um, he can be our backup, that's fine. He can play in, in, in the Cups. He was perfectly, you know, fit for that backup role. And and we, we stick with Leno. And then if Leno goes, then we maybe look into to a keeper we want to get. There's there's quite a few out there. Uh, I know a lot of people saying about Onana as well. It's a difficult case because obviously with a, with a ban as well, uh, he wouldn't be able to play. So maybe that's why they, they didn't go for him for the beginning part of the season. But there are other options out there. If they do want that homegrown spot, I get that, but why don't they maybe look into developing Arthur Conquo for another season and uh, and and see what happens there? So yeah, I I don't I, I don't get it. I think when there is other areas that need strengthening so much, I don't know why you go and spunk that much money. Like if we wanted a striker, maybe like Lotaro Martinez, like that twenty eight million takes a hell of a lot off that seventy million I think they wanted price tag. And that would just be serve our team so much better. So, yeah, I don't I don't understand it. Maybe there's something that they're seeing that we're not. But from my perspective, I'm not
0: not not big on it. No. Not big on it at all. And and people pointed out in the chat that Matt Ryan has, has signed for Real Sociedad. We know that. I think that Mike's point was that we should have gone and done that. We should have gone yeah. uh, and made that offer to Matt Ryan. Because from what we understand, from what we've been told, from what Matt Ryan has said in recent interviews, it looks as though his people tried to make that happen. They tried to make a deal with Arsenal that would see him continue at the club. However, it was indicated to his camp Arsenal were looking for a homegrown goalkeeper uh, rather than than the Australian who as you rightly point out in the chat has joined Real Sociedad and I think that's a good move for him to be fair he'll be the number one goalkeeper at a relatively big club in Spain. Um get your questions in the chat let's take some of your questions uh, because uh, there are plenty of comments coming in so I'm sure you guys have got plenty to say get those questions in the chat box now pop a little cue in front of them so it's easier for me uh, to pick them out of the chat box make sure you like the stream if you haven't done so already subscribe to the channel if you're new if you'd like to sign up and become a member go that One bit further to support the podcast, you can do so by clicking the join button just below the video, or you can click on the link I've put in the description. Uh, Also, just a quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So, for all your male grooming needs, head over to manscaped, check out their fantastic range of products. Your partner will thank you, I can assure you. You'll thank me as well because it revitalizes you, if that's the way to put it. Check out the Lumar 4.0 in particular, fantastic product battery seems to last forever uh mind you i guess that depends on what you got going on down there but check it out manscape.com enter our discount code 90min20 and you'll get 20 percent off of your order as well as free worldwide shipping uh right let's go over to the chat box and take some of these questions steve says uh this who get a stop gap in this is how we got at, get out of this mess There is no better under 20 okay all right hold on the comment let me just read it again from the start and try and make sense of it so steve says get a stop getting stop gaps in basically is why we're in this mess there's no better under 23 english keeper than ramsdale Why should we kick the can down the road yet again? So Steve clearly wants to see Arsenal move for Aaron Ramsdale. feels he's the best under-23 English keeper. um, And why should we kick the can down the road again by bringing in a stopgap? My answer to that is, Steve, why does it have to be an English keeper? I mean, Arsenal are not... You know, this homegrown thing is, is obviously an issue, but it feels like Arsenal are pushing that too hard. Does it not, Mike? It does feel like with some of the potential departures that we're, we're hoping to move on, your Kalasinaches, your Bellerins, et cetera, et cetera, that mm. we don't really have a desperate need to bring in an English goalkeeper per se. So why are we so obsessed with
1: that? No, because obviously as well, if we're looking to bring players through our academy as well, they count as this homegrown if they're in the squad. So, yeah, I don't really understand that point. Um, and obviously we brought in Ben White as well. He's he's one that will, that will go towards that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we we do need a stopgap because I don't believe that Ramsdale is the answer long term. Just from what I've seen from him so far, I think he he looks like a decent shot stopper. Obviously, he was facing a lot more shots at Sheffield United. Um, I actually saw an interesting article from um from Tom Canton on Football. London, and he was sort of going through the stats like side by side, and um and Leno and. Uh, and Ramsdale were quite quite even for in in terms of x uh, goals conceded, so they they should have saved what the the shots that they faced essentially. It was about right with the goals that they conceded. They would be expected to. And then he compared that to Emmy Martinez, who outperformed that. We're not going to go into that whole debate again. We've we've had that one with Martinez many times. Uh, but what he was saying was um, basically where Ramsdale excels over. Uh, Leno was—he's a long passing. He's got a much higher percentage of a uh, much higher percentage of long passes made, essentially, in and into the final third as well. Those were also higher. Uh, obviously, there's the caveat that that Ramsdale would be hitting a long, more long kicks to to Sheffield United because this is a tactic of theirs. But the fact is that the fact those those passes that are actually being completed is better, and it's a much better way to beat the press. I mean, we've seen it so many times with Leno that he's been forced to make a quick decision with the ball at his feet, strike a bearing down on him, and it's resulted in a goal. And that essentially can't happen anymore because there's there can't be more games this season where we where we blame individual errors. We need to improve on that. And maybe that is what they're using as, as their metric. I don't know. This is, this is what I'm saying. There must be something in the scouting system, in Arteta, that, that people have looked at to think, okay, this is this is what this is why we're going for Ramsdale. So, and as much as I want to believe it, I just think that could be a decision that could be made next summer on on who to sign as a as a Leno replacement. Because right now we're not looking for a Leno replacement; we're looking for someone to provide competition slash be a backup keeper. I mean, do, do you actually think Ramsdale can challenge this season, Harry? I don't know. I don't. But that's not to
0: say because a lot of people in the comments are saying that. Leno is, is poor and Leno's made a lot of mistakes. And I completely agree with that. I subscribe to that. I've said it many times over the last 12 months or so that Burn Leno doesn't fill me with any confidence. I don't like the way he distributes the ball. I think he's really poor at doing that. I think he does put us in pressured situations. I think some of the times we've lost the ball on the edge of our own penalty area where midfielders have been caught in possession, dropping between mm. the centre-backs has come as a result of Burn Leno playing poor passes. You know, Burn Leno from the goal can see everything. He can see the pitch and he's expecting players who are facing the goal with their back to everything else to to be able to read that danger when actually he's in the best position to do that. So when I say that I'm not keen on Ramsdale and when I say that I don't think Ramsdale is the answer and I'm sure Mike is of this opinion as well, it's not because we think Burn Leno is the best goalkeeper in the world. It's just we're not convinced that he is an upgrade on what we currently have. And how can you spend £28 million on a goalkeeper that you don't even think or you're not even sure is going to challenge that goalkeeper for the number one spot? Uh, Vuk Valcic says, don't agree on Ramsdale. He's at least in competition with Leno for for the number one spot in all aspects and much better with his playing skills. He's also young. Yeah, but you say he's at least in competition. If I'm spending £28 million on a goalkeeper, I want to know that that goalkeeper comes in and improves my team automatically. Is he an upgrade on Renarsson? Of course he is. Mike's an upgrade on Renarsson. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean. It's it, That's what frustrates me. I don't want people to take it in the way of we are saying that Burn Leno is the best goalkeeper in the world and Ramsdale isn't fit to clean his boots. That's not what we're saying. We're just not convinced that Ramsdale is the right man to take us forward. Um, Junior Gunner says, trouble is Ramsdale is going to be on the chopping block from the get-go. If he makes a mistake, the Wolves will be out for Edu and Ramsdale. And for Ramsdale, it's not a great environment uh, yeah. to develop. That's a good point. Yep, it is It is a good point. Um, and, and I think as fans, we have to be mature enough, don't we, to, if this transfer does materialise to put our views on Ramsdale to one side and get behind him over the course of the season. and I'm not sure that all of us are able to do that necessarily. Uh, let's take a few more comments. Um, Mr. Bungle says, uh, starting to look ahead to the game against Chelsea, do you think we can get any positive result against Chelsea? Mike, your take on this one?
1: Oh, mate. Um, so in my completely, you know, tunnel vision, rose tinted glasses, yes. If I actually use my brain, I've got to say no. I don't know what's gonna happen with the with the striker situation. I don't know if Bamiang or Lacazette is gonna be able to come in. Um it'll be in- really interesting to see what he does actually, whether he sticks with Balogun or sticks Martinelli up top. <sighs> it's just yeah, I I don't see any way. That, that we can we can win that game could we somehow get a draw i mean some people have been talking about maybe reverting back to a back three to you know secure us a little bit i think if we played that solely counter-attacking tactic i think we could end up with a draw um because we've done it before we, we've beaten chelsea of course uh fa cup final um we've, we've we've beaten them previously you know obviously beat them at um at the bridge last year so we can do it, but at this current moment in time, with it potentially being Romelu Lukaku's debut, I can't see it, mate. I'm, I really can't. I think they've got so many weapons. I mean, Kai Havertz, I know he played in the Super Cup, but he only made the bench last week and he came on. I mean, when you've got talent like that coming off the bench it is a very scary prospect. And I do worry for the likes of Pablo Mari, Callum Chambers, like with the pace they've got running at them, like to Timo Werner, Christian Pulisic, if he plays, I think it could be big, big danger. Um, and yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to it, Harry. I'm, I'm really not like, could it be another repeat of the, of, of the six nil? Um, I hope not, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I am quietly, carefully optimistic that we can get a result. I think we can get a draw. I think it's at home. I expect the Arsenal fans to be right behind the team or I want to see the fans getting right behind the team. I fear that if it goes south quite early, as in if we concede the first goal and we do that pretty early, you'll end up with that kind of toxic atmosphere that has plagued mm. the Emirates for many, many years now. But I do think if everybody gets behind the team, real shame to hear that there are so many tickets left over. It's not a shame if you, uh, you want to go, but if you are looking at that, you, you know, to see that it's Arsenal's first home game of the season. Yeah. First time fans are being allowed back in such a long time in their big numbers and the stadium is going to be quite empty, I think is, is really disappointing for me. Um, but I do think that we are capable of getting a result if we set up in the right way. I actually think that regardless of what happened at Brentford, Mikel would have been considering setting up with a back three against Chelsea anyway. I think he's shown that he is not, uh afraid to do that in certain games i think that it's worked to our benefit at times i think that when you look at some of the personnel we've got i think we could actually be quite suited to play in that way i think maybe tuck kieran tierney in as part of the back three and potentially give nuno Tavares a game uh and use his energy and pace up and down the left hand side i don't know i think mikhail's got options here and i think that a lot of people If he does make that change and make that decision, we'll say he's parking the bus now from fear of suffering a second consecutive defeat. But I would argue he probably would have done that anyway. He has shown himself to be quite pragmatic in those kind of games. And actually, again, to pick out one of the few positives of his tenure, he has made us more competitive in those kind of games. And given that, I'm not expecting Arsenal to get battered. I really am not, like some
1: people are. Yeah, I'm. I hope not, mate. I hope not. One thing I wanted to ask you, I wanted to gauge opinion on this, if it is a sour result, if it if it does reach lights of you know three nil, four nil, how do you think the fans will react to Arteta? Because obviously this is the first time in a in a long, long time that the fans of it have actually been at the ground while Arteta has has been in charge at the Emirates, and I don't know what sort of reception he will get because the sort of abuse he was. abuse may be too strong the sort of criticism he was getting last season you know when we suffered bad defeats it was so vitriolic it was so like awful sometimes and I just wonder whether that would translate through to the fans on the pitch is that a reason why the fans maybe aren't going they feel like they they don't believe in the manager anymore they don't want to pay whatever it is 80 90 pounds 70 pounds whatever it is to go to go to the game
0: So from what I've heard, a lot of people haven't renewed their season tickets. A lot of people have deferred them, which was an option that Arsenal gave to people um, at the start of this season. That obviously has an impact on the attendance and that obviously makes more tickets available to uh, the general public. So that's one factor. Prior to the season starting, I did think and and worry that there would be still large sections of, of supporters that would be a little bit uneasy. Uh, about going to a full stadium, given the number of COVID cases uh, still around. I wondered if that was going to be a factor, but having watched the opening weekend and seeing every other stadium packed to the rafters, I don't think that is a factor. I think I probably misjudged that and looking at it now, there's no other explanation other than a real disconnect between Arsenal and the fans. I think Mikel will get a hard time if Arsenal play poorly. Um, I think he'll get a hard time at the final whistle. I think his press conferences are starting to become irritating, I've got to say, because mm-hmm. it's almost it's almost dishonest the way he talks to us now. I think at one point, you know, you kind of you kind of thought, yeah, he's going to be a bit of a straight talker and we're going to get some more out of Mikel Arteta and maybe that will help us warm to him. And actually in in recent months, I think it's gone the other way. I think he's become more of a closed book. And when you're not getting the results and you're a closed book, people will get irritated by that, will react badly to your kind of dodging of every single question, which is what he seems to be doing lately. And um, yeah, I, you know, I do think he's going to get a hard time. I think the the atmosphere will, will be toxic and it could become toxic very, very quickly if things don't start well for Arsenal on Sunday. So it's a combination of those factors, but, you know, the bottom line is it highlights a massive disconnect, doesn't it, between the club and, and the fans at the moment. And that can't be good. It can't be good for business. Do you think that, you know, we talk a lot about KSE and and their issues and, and the reasons that we're not happy with them, but do you think they, they will worry about that? Do you think they'll look at the stadium on Sunday, see empty seats and go shit? You know, we've got a bit of a problem here. Or do you think it's just completely, I don't know, brushed aside by them because they are getting their TV revenue and and this is a bit not an insignificant revenue stream but it's not the most significant anymore
1: i don't think it will bother them that much to be honest um and i think they are they are fully invested in in the project in the manager I, was, I would have got rid of him last season after the europa league I, I fully believe that they have backed him with signings this summer you know, we're we're looking to spend over like 130 million, what whatever it might be, plus any others that might come in. So people can't argue about that now. And a, a lot of the big argument about KC was um, that the money factor, the fact that they they maybe weren't investing as much as our, our our rivals were. But you look at our signings over the last few seasons, you know. Um, the, the the past two years can be looked at in isolation, I guess, because of the COVID pandemic. But even then, even with the pandemic, you know, we dropped we dropped forty five million on Thomas Party last season. Um, you know, we're looking to drop one hundred and twenty million this season. Uh, obviously, smashed our records bringing Nicolas Pepe seventy two million. So the, the money is being invested. I think a lot of fans are upset about the apathy, maybe the fact that they don't really get involved, um, especially Stan Kroenke. I think that's changed a little bit. With Josh, um, you know, that that famous interview he done when he said, be excited. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm excited at the moment, but he has been more involved. He went to the fans forum, obviously, as well over the summer. And even if you might think it's hot air, at least he's actually taking an interest. Um, And then when it comes down to it, Harry, all, all they can do is invest and hope the people below them invest wisely. And for a lot of people, they're not doing that. I think this window is one that it might not excite fans, but it's building for the future. You look at the sort of profile player we're bringing in, Martin Odegaard, 22, Nuno Savarez, 21, Lukonga, 21, Ben White, 23. That tells me that this is a long-term plan. That's not going to make a lot of fans happy. I understand that. We finished eighth two years in a row. If we want to get back into the top four, that would take another... 200 million or something to get there so they might not be prepared to do that and some may understand that some may not but i think at this current moment in time then they're not worried about that i think if we are in danger of getting relegated um you know if we lose 10 games on the spin something may have to happen but at the moment i don't get the sense that, that that they're unhappy
0: so let me put this question to you that's come in the live chat. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, from Leandro, who says, are either of you Arteta out? Just out of curiosity. I mean, just quickly from me, if you didn't sack him after the VAR defeat last season in the Europa League, and then you, I don't think he's been backed enough. I don't think it's enough to turn Arsenal around with the kind of signings that he's had so far. But if if you didn't sack him after Villarreal, and you're going to give him some money in the transfer market to bring in a mm. 50 million pound centre half, Martin Odegaard, Sami Lukonga, uh, Nuno Tavares, and potentially a 28 million pound goalkeeper, then sacking him after one game against Brentford would be madness. What would have been the point in persisting with him all summer if you were going to pull the trigger after one game? So I'm not convinced anymore that Mikel Arteta is going to be able to do this job. The way we want it done but I'm also not saying he should be sacked after we lost to Brentford so that's where I am at I mean Mike where are you on this kind of whole situation
1: yeah so the point that I was at last season after the Europa League I I wasn't calling for him to be sacked but I said that I would understand if he was because it was so disappointing it was so disheartening that would have been the step to take us into Champions League and 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 who knows what um but now I, I look at it and i still think there are deficiencies and the fact for me that i'm looking at it and the most level headed people like one of my one of my good friends um andrew thompson who's a really you know level headed guy um he looks at things and doesn't judge it too emotionally and he's really good on tactics as well and even he's saying that look like what is arteta doing now we're looking at this team and as as i mentioned earlier like what are the attacking style like the fact that our main outlet harry against brentford was kieran tierney like it literally looked like it probably wasn't but from a from an outside perspective it looked like the tactic was get it to tierney to hit the ball in but you've not got the the runners from midfield to to give him an option and it was just so baffling you think on the opening day of the season surely that the tactics would be would be slightly better than this to try and unlock a, a, a team that Maybe we thought would would roll over, so I'm I'm questioning him. I'm not saying Arteta are out. I don't think so, but I think if it does get to that position where we were last season and we were down at the bottom, a few points above relegation, they'll have no they'll have no option but to get rid of him. My, the, the issue for me, obviously, is the succession plan. What is there a plan in place? Is there someone that they're eyeing up potentially? If we do get rid of Arteta, is there someone they want to go in for? I I don't know. Someone said to me, Graham Potter, the other day, um, you know, if Arteta does get sacked, would you take him? And I honestly think I would. I think I would take him because I think he's better tactically. uh, He's he's managing a much less talented squad and and they play decent football. You know, he's not the Antonio Conte or the, the star that everyone wants. But I think in terms of who can take us forward from, from that perspective, I think it would probably be a decent option. I don't know, Would you just say obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves now but hypothetically, is he someone you might look to to take the manager job?
0: Not really, because I don't think the, the fans will ever accept him. I think he, he falls into that bracket of a manager that people would say, if we signed him, it just reeks of, uh, of a lack of ambition. I, I just don't mm-hmm. see the Arsenal fans ever warming to someone like that. And that's not to say that he couldn't do the job, that he wouldn't do a decent job, but you know, the fact that we, you've got people talking about Antonio Conte and then that name comes into the mix. I think it's just, it's
1: just so unrealistic though. Like why would Antonio Conte come to us? He just, he he just won the Serie A. Like, I think, I think fans need to get, need to get real essentially. Like we need to, we need to get someone that's actually at our level and look at our level. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. The Antonio
0: Conte talk is absolute nonsense. Antonio Conte is not coming to Arsenal football club in their current state. He walked away from Inter because he got told he had to sell a key player uh, and he got told he wasn't going to have the money to take that project uh, even further on. He's not going to come and be told by uh, by the Cronkies that he has to operate within a self-sustaining model and that yeah. he can't do the business that he wants. Um, Dipak Patel on the whole Arteta thing, I was talking about obviously his press conferences. He says, you speak about the lack of transparency at press conferences the style of play and the transfer strategy, but which other clubs give you the level of information you seek? Ours is a different project after 22 years. I'm. Let me make it clear. I'm not looking for Mikel Arteta to do a Harry Redknapp and pull up outside in his Range Rover with his windows down and tell the Sky Sports cameras on transfer deadline day exactly who he wants to sign, how much for, and and what kind of perks are in the contracts. I'm not looking for that from Mikel Arteta. I'm looking for Mikel Arteta to open up a little bit in the sense of not coming across as this cold character that he has come across as in recent months. When you are in a place where you're not your team's not performing, your results are not what they need to be, you need to put the charm on. You need to go on a charm offensive and get people to believe in what it is you're doing, to say the right things, and to kind of do it in a way that, makes people feel warm towards you. And I don't think Mikel does that. I don't think he needs to give away tactics. I don't think he needs to give away things, but he, he deliberately says stuff for me that riles people, for example, Mm. and and I don't know if you agree with this, Mike, what's the constant need to talk about how much KSC are backing him and how good they are and how ambitious they are when that's not even in the questions he's being asked. Why is the constant need to do that? And Given the relationship between the supporters in KSC at present, is he not just causing himself more aggro by making sure he slips those comments in every single conversation?
1: Maybe just maybe he feels like he's the sort of like spokesman for them, and he feels like he needs to try and and rebuild that that relationship, but. From that's that's the only thing I, I can think of why it's from his perspective. But obviously, the the fans see past that. Like that, it's it, it's there. It's there in black and white. Like that, they're backing him. It's it's there in black and white that they're giving him. But are they backing are him enough, or... Mike? Are they? Are they? We can say they're backing him. They're bringing in. Sorry, him. I mean, I mean, sorry, I meant, I meant backing him in terms of him as as a manager. Backing him in terms of transfer market is different. Gone. Sorry. Yeah. No. That that was all. That, that was what I was going to ask you. Clear. Okay. That yeah, no, look, and, and look, I obviously want us to go and splash 70 million on Lautaro Martinez. I would have liked to see, would I like to see James Madison come in? I don't, I don't know. That's a debate between him and Obedegaard. But that sort of signing is what fans want. And look, of course, I want us to go and splash all this money and get us back into the top four. But that's not the model that this club have. And so you're looking to change the entire model to, to to get us back there. And obviously the fact that they've invested in Arteta, I think they think this is a project for the long term and the, the, the age of the signing shows me that. So I don't think that's going to change. Obviously, I would love that as an Arsenal fan, but I just think it's not where the reality is. There's the other thing as well, is do players still, big players still want to come to us? Like, James Madison's probably going to be better off at, at Leicester this season because they probably will finish higher. They they might they might finish into the Champions League places so they were very close to it last season. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that, that that go into it and I just think that sometimes the the profile of player that we target can be better. Like there's been a lot of mistakes for every hit there's a big miss. Like obviously last season as well, Gabriel looks like a good signing. But then we signed Willian. So this is what I mean. There needs to be more consistency. There needs to be a profile player. We're targeting. And we as fans want to see that until we're convinced. Because what what I'm seeing now is a lot of fans dissatisfied because a lot of players that are coming in are unknown quantities. And they don't want to see that. So I I understand that. I I do understand the the point of view. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Uh, let's get uh,
0: some more likes on the board, guys, because currently, right now, there's over 600 of you watching us live on YouTube, which is incredible. So if you haven't done so already, please do hit that like button. Uh, we're on 105 at the moment. Let's try and get that to 150 ASAP. Uh, should be easy enough. We'll take a couple more questions uh, before we uh, wrap it up. Uh, let's see what we've got here in the live chat. Here we go. Uh, Dave says, Hi, Harry and Mike. Which other players do you think we should bring in in midfield? Also, I think we need a target man up front. I think we can agree, Mike, that unless we move on strikers, we're not going to be bringing any new ones, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the deal was if Lacazette went out, we should get someone in. Um, And it's difficult because Lacazette is our primary striker. And I'm not saying it's impossible to get an upgrade on him, but you'd have to spend a lot of money. Like even Tammy Abraham, I don't think he'd come in and be a, a massive upgrade. I think he'd be competition, and he'd maybe you know he can offer different things. But it's it's difficult. So we'd need to get rid of him, not because of the transfer fee or bring in, but because of the space and the squad and the the wages uh, in terms of a midfielder. <sighs> I mean, I think Jacka would have had to go as well for us to bring in a midfielder. I, I can't see that happening now. I think we've got we we'll, we will settle with the season for Party uh, and jacko as our main partnership, and then and then Lokonga as backup. Maybe Migo Aziz coming in uh, as a youngster for the cup competitions, and then Elneny Nene as uh, as backup if anyone gets injured. So I think that's where it will settle um, in terms of of who I'd want. I I thought we really needed an upgrade on Xhaka. I think that's a that's a direction we needed to move in. And I mentioned a lot of times Cooper Myers. I liked him, uh, but obviously that's not going to happen now. So w- what I don't want us to do is panic and go, oh oh shit, we need to bring in a Alwar now when it's a player that's glitzy on the surface, but will he really fit in with a with the mentality and the the attitude of of the team that Mikel Arteta wants? So. That, that's what I don't want us to do. But striker, 100%. We, we need to bring in a striker. There's no doubt for me.
0: Yeah, interesting stuff. I, I've got this cheeky feeling that Arsenal, all right, they may not get it over the line, but they will explore the possibility of bringing in another midfielder, having landed seemingly Martin Odegaard for the price that we're being told. I think that Arsenal probably expected to have to uh, stretch that a little bit further for Martin Odegaard and knowing that they could potentially do this deal for 30 to 35 million pounds, may put them in a place where, again, I'm not saying they're definitely going to do it, but they do look around and consider uh, stepping things up a little bit in midfield. Uh, I want to take this question uh, from uh, Gaurav, uh, who says, Harry, do you think us hearing that Odegaard was always the priority? Was an attempt from Arsenal to save face after massively failing to sign Madison? Would love to hear your thoughts. I don't, because I think that. Those reports of Odegaard being a priority signing for Arsenal came out way before we even heard that Arsenal had an interest in Madison. And the interesting thing about Madison is there weren't Arsenal fans out there, let's be honest, prior to that link that said, yeah, I'd love to see Arsenal go out and get James Madison. It was one of those stories that came out. The interest was was attributed to Arsenal and from then on it kind of spiraled into fans saying, yeah, he's the right man. Let's do it. Let's get it done. I had said to you guys on here previous to, to the interest on in Madison, as I say, even becoming public that Arsenal were after Martin Odegaard. That Arsenal saw it as a priority this summer, that they wanted to get it done. So I I don't think that's the case. Obviously, I don't know for sure, but I, I wouldn't imagine that was the case. Uh I've got to be honest. Uh let's take one more and then we'll uh we'll wrap it up. I'll check it to uh mike let me just pick one out um did, 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 let's see what we got let's see what we got so many different questions i'm, I'm quickly yeah. reading through them um here we go uh where is it take let's take this one from uh van dam's frosty Mullet. <laughs> uh it says why aren't we looking at taliso for 10 million pounds mike i'm not big on Taliso. He's got a lot of injury issues. And that puts me off. What's your take on him? Is he someone you'd be looking at? We know that Bayern are keen to move him on.
1: Yeah, I think a few years ago, he he looks like a good prospect. Um, and he's just been played by injuries. The fact that he is available for that price. What, is, what does that really tell me about him? I, he's 27 years old. Um, again, it doesn't really suit with the, with the sort of business that we are looking to be doing this window, um, and he he wouldn't get into the starting eleven. I don't would he get into the starting eleven? I don't think so. So he's it, a backup signing, not one that's that's that interesting for me. Would want a higher wages as well. So that that takes away from another potential incoming we could bring in. Because let's not forget, it's not just transfer fee. Like the the wage bill is is also important. When you have players like a on as much money, you see is, Lacazette on a lot of money. You have to be careful with these sorts of things, like just bringing in players because of their name and not particularly uh, if they fit the plan or will improve. Like a lot of people have been talking about, we need to improve the starting level. We need to improve the starting level, and I'm not sure he does. So I don't know why why we, we bring him in. Um, I just can't. For, for me, Harry, just as a as a final point, I I mean I can't believe that we've not gone in for a right back. I think the reason is the the difficulty in shifting. Hector Bellerin but it's such an important position like when we look at what Kier- Kieran Tierney has done for us in terms of transforming the way that we play as a left back if we think we could do something similar on the other side obviously it's going to be a different role of course because I think Arteta likes to play them as an inverted um wing back and I just look at even though they lost to Spurs the other day I looked at Jao uh, Cancelo and you know the what he was doing so well for Man City like the way that he could just Ah, uh, play passes so comfortably from midfield, but also like the fender, the pace he had and the way he was bursting into like midfield and like even getting in the box as well. I just think we're so far away from that sort of player and we see the impact what a player has had on the other side. Like the fullback can't be underestimated anymore these days. Like, I just I don't understand why we've not had that as a priority. I know it's not the number one, but surely it's important if if Arteta wants to play this way. It's baffling.
0: Yeah. Completely
1: agree. Great stuff. Uh, just a quick
0: one. I am Nase says Odegaard deal is done. Go and watch Fabrizio Romano's YouTube channel. You are so slow, Harry. We've been talking about Martin Odegaard as pretty much being a done deal throughout the duration of this show, but it's not done officially because Arsenal haven't announced it. So, uh, you know, journalists are saying it's done and we've basically discussed it in that way throughout the show. So uh, I don't know what you're on about, but anyway, um, What can I say? Right. Quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Uh, If you haven't done so already and you want to become a member, you can do so by clicking on the join button just below the screen uh, or you can click on the link in the description. Uh, Other than that, um, thank you for joining us. Thank you to Mike uh, for joining me as always. Hit that like button, get those likes up as far as possible. Uh, Mike, thank you. How can people keep up to date with
1: your brilliant work? Cheers, guys. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Mike underscore Stavru. Um Love Island has come to an end, so, well, it's nearly at an end, so I probably won't be tweeting about it as much, so feel free to follow me. Is it uh, over yet?
0: It's not over yet.
1: Uh, no, it's not over yet. It's got a couple of weeks, but it's sort of like dialing down now. It's like the boring part where they, where they do all these like, shit challenges, and yeah. If you're ever going to watch it, don't watch it now, so.
0: Man, I'm not going about that. I I got a lot to say about guys that watch love Island, but we'll save it for when the, uh, when the stream goes offline. (laughs) Right. We'll catch you all very soon. Thank you for tuning in until next time. Take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast.